Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. We got one segment for you today, and it's a good chat with Ken Weeb, our friend from Sportsnet, as we look back at Thursday's Montreal Canadiens game against the Winnipeg Jets and look ahead to the rematch Saturday night. That's all on the podcast. All right, we are pleased to be joined by Ken Weeb, our friend from Sportsnet, to talk about last night's Jets game. We'll look ahead to tomorrow night. Ken, how are you doing tonight? I'm excellent, Christian. Uh, thank you. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Your thoughts first on last night's game. The Jets fall behind 3-1, and they've rallied to win. Did last night's game say more to you about the Jets or the team they're facing who has got a new head coach behind the bench? Yeah, certainly a combination of both, Christian, I think. Uh, I mean, we know the Jets have had issues with falling behind in games, but I think that it was a much more evenly played first period than some of the nights where the Jets have fallen behind. Uh, two critical gaffes, uh, you know, one especially with Joel, Yoel Armia splitting the defense, getting behind after that line change. But uh, I think the Jets were pretty even in terms of scoring chances and high danger chances in the first. And I mean, as they've come accustomed uh, to doing, uh, found a way to stick with their program and template and then sort of got a little bit of that self-doubt crept in for the Montreal Canadiens who, you know, for lack of a better term, have looked like a little bit of a fragile team right now. And um, suddenly the Jets found a way to uh, you know, rip momentum onto their side and, and kind of left the Canadians in the dust. I mean, a lot of their same issues had, had been on display. I mean, yes, Montreal did have a nice you know, power play goal from Thomas Tatar, but special teams uh, were an issue for them again, and they sort of got away from their structure. And the other big storyline, uh, Carey Price uh, was not at, at his, near his sharpest, and uh, that's the reason why uh, Dom Ducharme is going to Give Jake Allen the tap on the shoulder for tomorrow's rematch. So looking at this division this year, do you think that the Jets' ability to come back so much is because the maybe the quality of competition isn't the highest, or is it just a function of this team is built resiliently to, to rally from early deficits? Yeah, Christian, I understand that that uh, narrative is floating around there. I mean, it's understandable that it is. Uh, obviously, there's not a lot of uh, Norris Trophy uh, candidate teams out there, and Ultimately, all these teams with something to prove in the playoffs, uh, whether that's Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, uh, and whoever else gets there, I mean, they're going to have to show it when it counts. But uh, I think this is more a matter of the high-end talent the Jets have. I mean, they are among the league leaders in goals. Yes, we understand the, their analytics uh, are not supporting that in terms of expected goals and you know high-danger chances generated. But I think at some point people are going to realize that you know, going into the season, everyone said this is a team with an elite level top six, uh, and they've gotten secondary scoring this year as well. So, I mean, we can't forget that Pierre-Luc Dubois has played four times. Patrick Laine played one time for this team. So the fact that they're still a top five team in NHL scoring uh, without having those players available for the majority of this stretch, I think that they're only going to get better offensively. And obviously it's going to come down to their ability to defend. And I mean, yesterday, sure, I mean, and it wasn't a you know glorious night for Connor Hellebuck, but last two periods, the Jets really buckled down defensively and really didn't give up much at all. Yeah, just 21 shots on goal. It was a very impressive outing. And part of that just didn't seem like there was much of a, a push from the Montreal Canadian side of things. But looking at Dubois, Ken, we've obviously wondering how long it's going to be with him up there with Wheeler and Shifley, they've been producing. Uh, I know they acquired a center. They gave up Patrick Lundin and Jack Roslovic to get a center. Is there any potential you think that 
this experiment could last more than just a few games? Yeah, I mean, we know that Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to be a long-term center with the Winnipeg Jets, but I think that Paul Maurice has made it quite clear that as long as it's working offensively, it's a line he's going to roll with for the you know immediate future. Uh, that's not to say he won't flip-flop uh, he and Paul Stastny at some point. Uh, I think if you're Pierre-Luc Dubois, you have five points in the last two games playing with Mark Scheifele and Blake Wheeler. You're pretty happy about your lot in life. Uh, and that's to take nothing away from a future potential line of Pierre-Luc Dubois between Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle Connor. But uh, those guys are really rolling right now. And one thing that's really stood out to me, Christian, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois' board play and his, you know, Paul Maurice talked about it today, his strength and power has really been on display. His ability to, to win board battles and, you know, outmuscle his opponent uh, really fits well with Blake Wheeler and Mark Scheifele. Uh, those guys who, at times, I mean, dating back to the 2018 playoff run, uh, those guys had some of those crazy extended shifts where they hemmed in the Nashville Predators for, you know, a minute at a time and just continued to generate opportunities. And I like the way that they're starting to find some chemistry. Uh, you know, we know that in the first game there were a couple of early situations where there was a little bit of overpassing happening. But uh, now those guys are getting the shots uh, when they need to take them, and they were reading off each other incredibly well. So... I don't think there's any need to tinker with that group right now. And the other part is you have the versatility. Like It's not like you're forcing Paul Stastny into a second-line center role. This is a role he's played and played incredibly well at for the bulk of his career. So it's not like you're you're pushing someone up in the lineup just to delay the inevitable of moving Dubois there. And even when Dubois goes to center, Christian, I think this is like an Edmonton Oilers scenario where sometimes when the team is down in a game, you're going to see Pierre-Luc Dubois go at left wing with Shifley and Wheeler. I mean, that's that having a weapon like that is something that you're not going to ignore, especially when you see the results that are being put up by not only Dubois himself, but Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley, who has now extended that point streak to a career-high 11 games. On that point, Ken, what do you think of the level that Mark Shifley has brought his play to this season? Yeah, outstanding. I mean, obviously there were a couple of, uh, you know, defensive zone lapses or hiccups or whatever we want to call them uh, in the early going. But I do see, uh, you know, a renewed energy and commitment level uh, away from the puck. And uh, Mark spoke about that again today. So, I mean, that's not just a mirage. I mean, those things are happening. Uh, is Mark Scheifele a Selkie Trophy candidate? No, but I think you've seen an effort level and you've seen results. And off, uh, a lot of times that strong defensive play turns into offense and leads to offense. I mean, you can't argue with the offensive results. I mean, this is now the fifth consecutive season where he's been a point-a-game player. And, you know, 18 of his 28 points have come in this 11-game stretch. And it's not just the points. It's the the offense he's generating. His ability to outwork and, you know, body position his way down low below the goal line has just been exceptional, Christian. It's what led to Pierre-Luc Dubois' first goal in that game against Vancouver, uh, winning that battle with JT Miller. Those are things that Mark has really taken a great, enormous amount of pride in. His puck skills are exceptional. Uh, he's continued to work on that, even though it's often been a strength of his. And I, I do think that he's found a new level. And I mean, to be perfectly frank, I think he is playing at a level that would that reminds me an awful lot of that stretch in the 2018 playoffs, where he was an absolute dominant force. I mean, you can't ignore it. This guy is hanging. You know, again, there's there's a little bit of runway for those other guys, but. He's hanging around with the top scorers in the league, and it's no accident. And 
I understand early on in the year, some folks were saying it was only power play time or empty net points, but I mean, he's getting it done at five on five as well. And I think, uh, you know, you have to you know consider him to be playing at, you know, a level that would have him on the periphery of the Hart Trophy conversation uh, as we approach the midway point. Unfortunately, he's overshadowed by two other centers in Canada who are putting up uh, bigger numbers than he is. But let's talk about the captain, Blake Wheeler. It was a few weeks ago now that Paul Maurice went off, you could say, defending his captain. You're beacon my captain. I'm offended by it. He's been a lot better in the last few games, really, uh, the last two games certainly, with Dubois up there with Shifley and Wheeler. Do you think it's just a matter of he's healthy and he wasn't early in the season, or do you think that whole story, narrative, caused some kind of boost to his game? No, we talked about this, Christian, uh, around that time. Uh, I was pretty forthcoming and clear that I felt as though Blake Wheeler had been dealing with something uh, significant for quite some time. You can just see in his inability to get to places where he's used to going. His skating wasn't at that powerful level, uh, even though he wanted to, you know, you could see he was trying, but he just wasn't able to generate the same sort of speed and power in his legs that we'd been used to seeing. Uh, Obviously, even Blake admitted it on that Zoom call when I asked him about, you know, the, the benefits of having those four days between games and um, you know, you could not only what he said, but how he said it, uh, he sort of smirked before he said it. And, uh, I think this is a case where I think the, the player himself and the team was trying to protect the, that player from being a target of the opponent. Uh, and now he's been able to find a way to get healthy. And it's not just the last couple games. Uh, he's been skating a lot better. His compete level uh, is high. Now he's winning a lot of those puck battles that, he was having trouble getting into and engaging in earlier on in the year. And again, let's, you know, look, his work on the power play has always been an incredible strength of his and um, he continues to get the job done. And now he's adding that five on five element as well. And I mean, that's the thing that came under scrutiny early on that he had been on the ice for a lot of five on five goals against, but again, that sometimes can be a little bit, you can't ignore that, but you know, there were some cases where it wasn't necessarily his fault. So I think he's done an exceptional job of finding uh, and raising his level to a level we're used to seeing. And when he and Mark Shifley are clicking uh, at an optimal level, uh, it can create a lot of difficulty for the opponents. Let's touch on the defense before I let you go, Ken. Sammy Niku last night played 13 and a half minutes. He hadn't played in over a month. What did you think of his performance? Yeah, I thought it was uh, excellent. Uh, He was very decisive in his decision-making, I thought. His reads, his passes were crisp. No, he doesn't get an assist on Kyle Connor's second goal, but uh, he makes an important exit, a really good pass to get that play started, uh, moving it up the boards. Uh, I really liked him. I didn't think that he put himself in bad spots defensively. Uh, This is a guy that has has shown some confidence when facing the Montreal Canadiens of the past. We know he scored his first NHL goal against Carey Price in the Bell Centre. Um, I really like the way that he responded, Christian. I mean, this is a difficult deal for a guy who is out for basically you know, more than a month. And it can be tough on that taxi squad when you don't see much light at the end of the tunnel in terms of when he might get back into the lineup. Uh, I thought he did a great job. And although Palmer did say today that Tucker Pullman could be available tomorrow, but he wouldn't rush him back. I think Sammy Uniku did enough to earn himself a, a second look. And they're going to give probably give Tucker Pullman an extra... A bit of time and I really think that having a, a stabilizer like Dylan DeMello as his partner uh, I think really helped him and when he plays on the third pairing the level of competition he is facing uh, is a lot more suited to where his game is currently at 
uh, as opposed to where at the start of the year when he was playing those a couple games on, with, on the top pairing with Josh Morrissey where uh, he did get exposed defensively on several occasions. And you could say that Nathan Bowley at certain times has been exposed as well, playing up with Josh Morrissey. And I've seen a lot of internet anger. He's a he's a punching bag, Nathan Bowley is, online. And the numbers analytically suggest that he is not playing all that well defensively, especially when he's playing a lot of minutes with Morrissey. Can you see a situation where Bolieu is taken out of the lineup unless he's hurt? Or is this a guy that's going to be in there because Paul Maurice likes his toughness? Uh, he certainly likes the intangibles that he brings. Um, he likes his job, the job he does in the penalty kill for sure. Uh, I mean, I was banging you know this drum pretty heavily during the week. Uh, I think that it's time for Dylan DeMello to be reunited with Josh Morrissey. Uh, and I'm not just joining the chorus. I had asked Paul Maurice about it earlier on. And... Um, I mean, he sort of dismissed it by saying he liked the way the pairings are. But, I mean, when he said he hasn't had much opportunity to do it, well, that that was true earlier, but he has an opportunity to do it right now. Uh, and it basically is on a silver platter for him. But, uh, I mean, we'll see how this develops. I mean, I, I think that Nathan Bowley played fairly well with Tucker Pullman on that third pairing in the in the bubble in Calgary. It's a place where he's better suited to play. Uh, and when you're a coach, you want to put your players in a position to succeed. So... I think Bolu would would give you more quality minutes if he was down at that you know 13 14 minute level as opposed to 18 or 19. But uh, I'm not running the team, and I, I certainly understand there are things that they value about his skill set that uh, don't show up in his analytics or on the traditional stats. So uh, Nathan Bolu gives you everything that he has. Uh, you know sometimes you know when you are aggressive in your decision making, like on the power play goal, things don't work out. And when you step up and if you don't catch the guy, it leads to a goal. So. Uh, Bolu's guy who loves the game, cares a lot, and I mean he would be frustrated with the with the mistakes that have shown up as well. So uh, it's definitely an emerging story, and we'll see how it uh, sorts itself out uh, over the course of the year. But uh, in heavy games, you're going to see Bolu in there, I think, all the time. Uh, can Niku, if he can string a few games together, get to the point where he is a consideration over Bolu? I mean that that we'll see. Uh, I don't think we're at that point yet, but I mean if Niku can get some consistency then that internal competition is going to help whether it's up front uh, where we know there's some young players knocking on the door and on the back end as well ken appreciate your time as always thanks for this and we'll uh, see you in the press box tomorrow night yeah my pleasure christian enjoy the rest of the evening and we'll see you tomorrow for sure well thank you very much for listening to the cjob sports show podcast if you like what you heard guess what you can hear more every weeknight on cjob from 6 30 to 9 p.m of course that is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you.